Right, if there was a sort of newspaper headline or if there was a title that sits at the top of everything that we are thinking about and looking at tonight, it would be what Paul says there in verse 17. He says in verse 17, whatever you do, people, whatever you do, you do it all in the name of Jesus. Can I suggest that obeying that command Sunday by Sunday is maybe not all that complicated you know living doing everything for the name of Jesus Christ on a Sunday fairly straightforward isn't it how would we do that we'd get up and we would come to church first of all and we would worship in the name of Jesus Christ and then maybe I don't know maybe we'd have people around to our house and there would be you know some spiritual conversation we'd come out tonight like you've done so this evening we'd worship Christ again reasonably straightforward maybe Can I also suggest that really the problems start when we try to do this, living in all things for the name of Jesus Christ, Monday to Friday. I mean, isn't it true that one of the greatest battles that we face today is trying to live as Christians in the workplace? Like, isn't that almost a constant battle for us? Isn't that a, almost a constant battle for you? Isn't it? Well, I want to begin tonight with a very basic and straightforward assertion. Ready for it? Hear this. God knows and God also understands the struggles that you face as a believer at work. I'm going to say that again. <laughs> Make sure you get it. God knows God understands the struggles that you face as a believer at work. Now, that's a pretty bold assertion to make. How can I make such an assertion? Well, think about, consider what it is that you've got in front of you just now. Like, remember what we saw last time we looked at this in Colossians 3. Do you remember what we saw? We saw that what we've got at this portion of Scripture, three pairs of relationships do you remember I said that last time out? That we, we've got here a, we've got a marital relationship. You remember all the stuff about the husbands and the wives? All that contra stuff. Surely you remember that. Uh, and then after that, not only is Paul dealing with a marital relationship, he's also dealing with a parental relationship. Remember we looked at that as well? We're looking at what Paul said about the children, obey your parents, and, and what he said about the father. Right, okay, those were two of them. Remember what the third one is? What's the third one we've got here? Tonight, this is about a work-based relationship. Paul's speaking here to slaves. Do you see that? And he's speaking to masters. But wait a minute, here's the deal. Look at the length of the section that we're dealing with tonight. Like compare that to what Paul has said about the other relationships. Look at look at it from verse twenty two to verse to chapter four, verse one. It's much longer than the previous material. Do you see the point? Do you see the point? Like no matter how difficult it is to live as a Christian in the home, no matter how difficult it is to live as a Christian amongst your family, God knows. That living as a Christian in the workplace is a is a, a different proposition altogether. That he knows that this is hard. So what does he do in his grace and his wisdom? What does he do for us tonight? He provides us with more detail about it. 
More than that, he provides us with real, genuine encouragement here. God knows. I'm saying to you, God knows. And he understands the struggles that you face as a believer in the workplace. Okay? The other thing that we've got established, really, before we get our teeth into uh, this portion of Scripture, is that you and I have really got to go into this remembering the context. Like, this tonight is not... Oh, it is not just moralistic teaching about work. All right? That is not what this is. You've got to remember, Paul's writing a letter to these recent converts. Now, you've got to remember what he's doing to these people in Colossae. He is unpacking the gospel. And he's showing them the implications of the gospel. So he is saying and showing them how what Christ has done for them, how it actually does and should impact everything. So you're going to, only going to understand that. I'm only going to understand these verses about work if we come to this and we're viewing it from where? From the standpoint of the cross at Calvary. With that said, let's get to this. Let's think about the Christian in the workplace. So if you haven't already, please turn with me in your Bibles to uh, Colossians chapter 3. Let's note a few things together. Let's note firstly that the gospel, it frees us from trying to impress. The gospel frees us from trying to impress. Right, what we've got in front of us in these verses from verse 22 are a few, what are called imperatives. Okay, so you've got in front of you a few, you, you know, we can even call these not just instructions, but we've got a few commands that Paul's given here. Now, all I want to do in this first point is just to think about the very first command. What I'm going to do is I'm going to say two things about the content of the command. And then I'm going to say one thing about how we go about obeying it. So you're going to see the command in verse 22. So just eyes down with me. Look at verse 22. Look at the command. (coughs) Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything. So I'm just going to say two, two things about that. One, notice or think about to whom Paul writes that command. What does it say? Look at, I mean, what's the first word? Slaves. Are we hitting a problem with this? Do you see what the problem is? Like a lot of people read that and say, well, hang on a second. Is the Bible, therefore, is Paul, therefore, condoning and supporting slavery? You hear that a lot with, with these verses here. You know, he is writing an instruction to slaves. Does this mean, does this mean that the apostle Paul supports, we advocate maybe even slave owning? Let me say absolutely not. Paul's purpose here, he's not writing in these verses here to tackle the rights and the wrongs of slave owning. What Paul is doing here is giving instructions for Christians on how to honour Christ in what was an existing practice. He's not condoning it. In fact, if you think about it, what Paul is doing in these verses is actually very subtly and very cleverly trying to undermine 
slavery here. Now, you've got to look hard and think hard about it. But wait a minute, think about what we've seen in recent weeks. Think about verse 11. Think about what Paul said there. He said, slaves are equal in Jesus Christ, doesn't he? He says, there is neither slave nor free. Do you see it? Then what does he say in these verses? He says, not only are they equal in Christ, he talks here about an inheritance coming to slaves. And let me tell you, right, genuinely, that wouldn't have just been sort of alien to people at the time. That would have been abhorrent. Abhorrent to slave owners to hear that there would be any sort of inheritance for for their slaves. Paul's not condoning slavery. He's undermining it. Second thing, notice this. You'll see it very easily, very clearly. Notice that the command he's given here is very similar to the command that he gave to children. If you were here, I was going to say last week, but Bench was speaking last week, so two weeks ago, if you, if you were here, you'll remember that we saw a distinction between what Paul says and asks of wives. Do you remember this? What he said to wives and what he said to children. Remember that in the verses? There's a very noticeable distinction that he, he asks wives to submit and he tells kids to obey. Remember that? Remember that? Tell you what, just have a look and compare verse 20 and verse 22. It's what? The kids, children, obey your parents in everything. Then verse 22, what does he say to slaves? Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything. So what Paul is calling for from these slaves, but what Paul is calling for from you, the Christian worker, it's not a sort of voluntary, maybe even a type of sort of hesitant submission. What Paul is calling for here, and this is grand, and this is big, he's calling for a total and a willing compliance with our earthly bosses. He's telling us to, to obey our bosses and to obey in everything. So you're seeing how big this command is, are you? I mean, this is comprehensive obedience that, that the Christian is called to here. So it is very important when we deal with the next thing, and that is how we go about obeying this command. I used to work in a big daily uh, supermarket in Edinburgh. I was talking about where I was working uh, this morning as well. You get my sort of uh, employment history today for, for some reason. But I used to work in a big daily in Edinburgh. And I, I worked with a, a guy called Scoop. And yes, I'm pretty sure that that was not his, the name given to him at birth. But this was Scoop was a character and a half, you know. Um, he would just work normally and happily. He'd just be a regular type guy at work until uh, the boss would come and visit the deli, you know, the owner. Like if Scoop heard that the owner was coming to visit, he would turn, like he would totally, he would just completely transform and he would turn up really early to work and he would be pristine, you know, and the hair done gelled and tie would be on. And uh, if the if the boss, if the owner was on the sort of shop floor, Scoop would be running around a thousand miles an hour, you know. Like he, he was just absolutely 
desperate to impress the owner, to impress the boss. Now, what Paul is saying here is that the gospel of Jesus Christ has actually freed us from that sort of attitude. That what has happened in our salvation through the blood of Jesus Christ is that now you and I, as children of God, we have our value found in the Lord. That we are valued now by God. That we are cherished by God. Now, do you see what that means? Wait a minute. Do you see what it means for the workplace? It means that now you and I don't have to sort of run around in the workplace just like desperately trying to impress a boss. We don't have to spend our lives, you know, desperately seeking an acceptance of a supervisor or the approval. It's not all about desperately seeking these things that now we already have because of Christ. God's approval. And radical, a thought though it may be, you and I can now go into work because of that, because of our value being found in God We can go into work and we can obey our boss wholeheartedly. Because we're not just trying to find approval. We're not trying to impress someone. We do that. We obey wholeheartedly because of this. Because we want to obey and show gratitude to the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you see how big this is? I mean, do you see how extreme this is? Think about what Paul is saying. He says here, you obey. Why? What does he say? Not to win favor. You're obeying in the workplace. What does he say? Out of reverence for the Lord. So the gospel frees us. We are valued. Our value is tied up in Christ, in God. The gospel frees us from trying to impress. Second thing. The gospel frees us to serve a new master. The gospel frees us to serve a new master. Okay, I said I worked in this deli in Edinburgh. Big deli supermarket. I'm sure you can imagine the type of place. And I worked there with Scoop. I also worked with another guy. A guy called Chris. Chris was the polar opposite to Scoop. So you've got Scoop running around all over the shop, literally... Uh, trying to impress the boss. Chris was doing everything he could to find a shortcut. Like, he was, to the day, the laziest man that I have ever met in all of my life. Okay? I remember, I think it was maybe even one of the first shifts that I worked with him in the evening. He was, he was just asked to mop the floor now, that's a pretty straightforward, easy task to mop a floor. I had never seen anything like it. I mean, the shop, the deli, looked like Venice by the, the time we had finished with it. It was like three inches of water everywhere. I just, so I went up to him at the end. I was like, what are you doing, man? What a mess you made. And he turned to me and said, Andy, <coughs> you're the fool. Andy, if you're ever asked to do a job, you do it badly. And you will never be asked to, 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 to do it again. Okay? Now, look at the second imperative that we've got here. It's verse 23. 
Verse 23, look at the second imperative. Paul says to Christian workers, look what he says here. Whatever you do, whatever you work at, whatever you do, do it with all your heart. Now consider, please consider what it is that Paul is saying here. Consider the content of that. He is saying that you, unlike Chris, that you as a Christian are called to work and work hard. Now that's a biblical point of view. And we maybe don't like to hear it, but we are called as the people of God to be grafters, to properly work and work hard. And I'll tell you what Paul says here literally. He says this, Christians are called to work in everything from your soul. So you've got the content of what he's saying, right? Now think about and notice the scope of it though. Like, think about what Paul doesn't simply say there. He doesn't say, okay, Christians, work with all your heart. Does he? No, look at it. Look at it. He says, look how he prefaces it. He says, whatever you do, you work at it with all your heart. And I think that is a really important distinction for our congregation. You see, we are a group of people who are many of us in the church just now doing jobs. (laughs) What would we say about some of our jobs? We're doing them as a means to an end, some of you, maybe. You know, it's just a sort of halfway house. There's a lot of people in the congregation who are just passing through London, so you are doing temporary jobs. There's a lot of you as well who are just beginning out your career. You're not doing the job just now that you hope to be doing in 10 years' time. Do you see what happens because of that? We kind of look at our jobs and we shrug our shoulders. We look at our jobs, our current jobs, with real indifference. And we think, okay, see when I get that job that I really want down the line. See when I get that job, I am going to work hard. And I am going to pull out all the stops. I'm going to properly work. But just now, you know, with this job, I'm just going to do whatever I need to do to get by. Do you see how what Paul says there speaks to our attitude? He's saying that regardless of the job, really regardless of the conditions of your job, and regardless of the boss of your job, Paul is saying we work, people, as Christians. We work with all of our hearts. And then you must notice... Why must we work like that? Do you see it? Look how he ends the verse, verse 23. Whatever you do as Christians, you do it with all your heart. Why? As working for the Lord, not for men. Do you see what we're being told there? We are being told that in Christ, not only have we been set free from trying to impress, that we have been set free to honor a new master. Please hear this. That before we were saved, if we weren't saved just now, we could work as hard as we liked. And it would bring no glory, no honor to God. Now, because of your salvation, do you see the difference? Do you see that now, by the blood of Jesus Christ, you work hard focusing on Jesus? What happens? honored by that do you see that do you see how big that is 
That if we go in the workplace tomorrow morning at nine o'clock and we are working and we are obeying our earthly masters and we are focused on Jesus Christ, not only is our earthly master, our earthly boss going to be pleased, but do you see what happens? We work like that, focused in Christ. It pleases and it brings praise to the seed of our souls. So we are set free from trying to impress. We are set free to serve. Third one. The gospel frees us from fixating on our paychecks. The gospel frees us from fixating on our paychecks or pay slips. I'm guessing you know what it's like, especially if you currently have or have had a really rubbish job. (laughs) Have you had a really rubbish job in the past? Have you got a really rubbish job just now? You know what it's like. You kill yourself for the month, don't you? Like you put up with all that rubbish from your boss and you put in all those really long hours and you're exploited and you're asked to do terrible things and you have to put up with the rubbish and all that nonsense from the rest of the staff. And then it gets to payday, you know? And you're handed that check thing, you know? And uh, you take it and you rip off the perforated edge. And you open it up and you look at the little number in the corner. And what do you realize? You realize, nope, none of that over the month has been worthwhile at all. Not for that sum of money. Is that that the Apostle Paul addresses here? But really to get what he's saying, we have to remember who he's talking to. He's talking, think about it, to slaves. Not just slaves. Slaves where? In the Roman Empire. And slaves when? First century. See the people he's writing to here? They were nothing. Like these people he's writing to about all of this stuff, they had nothing. They were entitled to nothing. And so what he says to them surely is all the more remarkable. Look what he says in verse 24. Look at it. Remember, it's all connected to that imperative to work and to work hard. Verse 24, he says, <coughs> excuse me, work hard since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord. Now remember, being a slave, hearing that, you will receive an inheritance from the Lord. Now I wonder, do you see what he's saying to us though? He is saying that because of Christ, if we work hard, not only as we have seen, will God be honored? We are seeing here that God will honor us. We're seeing here that if we go into the workplace, if we are serving wholeheartedly, focusing on Jesus Christ, what? God is preparing riches. Riches after riches for us, for his people. Now, are you getting your, are you getting your head around this? Isn't that a glorious thing? You see, what happens is we become absolutely obsessed with this, don't we? That we become fixated on a wage rise. 
we get fixated on how much it is that we are getting paid. We become absolutely obsessed with, well, we demand more money. We've worked, we deserve this sort of stuff. And we lose sleep over this. This ruins our lives. But you see this? I mean, what Paul is saying, ultimately, from an eternal perspective, see that pay slip, that number in the corner? It isn't what matters. Because of what Christ has done, if we work for God's honor, come on, think about what awaits us in Christ. Think about the riches and the inheritance that we have. It's so much bigger than that paycheck. Friends, I wonder, do you see the implication? Because of Christ. We can go into work tomorrow at nine o'clock and we can work. We can work and not be bitter. Fourthly, lastly, we've seen that the gospel frees us from trying to impress. The gospel frees us to serve a new master, to honor God. We've seen it frees us from fixating on a payslip. Lastly, the gospel frees us to treat others well. I always think it's a pity eh, that congregations of God's church, eh, perhaps especially in this country, all seem to all seem to fit a, a social class. Isn't that the case? Like up and down the United Kingdom. Uh, there's lots of middle-class churches. People all look the same, dress the same, drive the same car, do the same stuff. And then maybe you go into uh, an inner city somewhere in the UK and you maybe find a working-class church and everyone's working-class. You see? I think it's a, a great shame that it's like that that congregations seem to be separated around class in this country. I don't think it should be like that. I don't think it was always like that. And it sure wasn't like that in Colossae. See, think about it. Paul has just been speaking to slaves. But this is, what did we start with? This is a pair. It's a relationship. So he now, as he closes, speaks to masters, doesn't he? And I think he speaks to masters, he spoke to the slaves, and I think because of that, you're going to think, okay, I can switch off if you haven't done so already. You might think, right, I'm, I'm going to catch some Z's for the last two minutes of the sermon because I'm a worker. I'm not a master, you know? You might be thinking, well, I, I don't own a massive big company or anything like that, so this stuff about masters... It doesn't apply to me. Can I say it it absolutely does apply to you? You know, we've all been in situations, I'm sure, where we've had to train someone up. We've all been in situations before, or we will be in situations where we have got staff that are accountable to us. This is applicable to you. So follow me as we close. Look at chapter 4, verse 1. What does he say to masters? Chapter 4, verse 1. Please look at it. He says, masters, provide your slaves with what is right and fair. Hmm. Part of that surely is the demand for Christians to provide a decent wage for their workers. That we should be people who provide our workers with decent, respectable money. That's part of it. 
But I think more than that, Paul is speaking to our general attitude that Christians, far above the rest of society, that we should be people who treat staff with respect and decency and fairness. And do you see why? What does he say? Look how he ends it. Provide your slaves with what is right and fair. Why? Because you know that you also have a master in heaven. (laughs) That a Christian has a responsibility to show mercy and justice to his workforce. Why? What is always the answer to the question with Paul in Colossians? What is, I mean, come on. The last two weeks, the answer to that question, I keep saying why, and we get to the same answer. Why should a Christian employer show mercy and justice to his staff? Because of the gospel. Because we have been shown mercy. We have been shown justice by the Lord Jesus Christ. Friends, what we see tonight is the Christian view of the workplace. Doesn't it stagger you how totally different this is to the way of the world? I mean, isn't it just radically different what Paul was saying to the way that society views the workplace? Let me say this by way of conclusion. What Paul is calling for, what God is calling for here is for us to view our workplace in light of our salvation in Jesus Christ. And you know what happens if we do that. It's the same thing that happened last time when we were talking about the family. If we do this, you know, if we work like this, work hard in obedience because of Christ and work for God's honor and not moan about pay slips, what's going to happen? Our boss is going to notice. And all those people that we work with, they are going to notice something different in us. And because of all of that, Jesus Christ is going to be honored by us in the workplace. I think tonight we go away from here. Surely we just go away and marvel at the extent of the gospel. That because of Christ, we are redeemed from sin. That we are redeemed from death. But what we are seeing here end of the gospel is that we are also redeemed from the burdens and from the misery of work let's pray